Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. You are watching 314, 314 being Pi Day, also my birthday, and it also happens to be the day Karl Marx died. So sad, right? <laughs> Joining me is John McLugish. Hopefully I'm saying that right. Author of The Return of the Solar King. Welcome, John. How are you? I'm great. How are you today? Not too bad. I'm glad to have you here. I really enjoyed this collection of, of essays that you wrote for the book, which are, it's really all-encompassing, presenting a holistic picture of some of the uh, big issues that we face today, as well as some sensible solutions. So I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Uh, it was definitely uh, a work in the making. Um, it was really a combination of about six years of writing. Um, I started a blog back in, let's say, 2014, and which was originally uh, basically going to be a collection of sermons that I was writing. I had just gotten ordained um, as a priest for a, it was essentially a, a new age uh, esoteric Christian order. I can talk about that um, a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it was a collection. It was supposed to be sermons, but it eventually turned into basically whatever, you know, sort of rabbit holes I was going down or or thoughts that, that I was having. Uh, you know, just write them down and, you know, it was basically tackling whatever issues were, were present and pertinent in my mind and, and, and the, at the culture at the time. Yeah, it was great. So I loved it. It's definitely been kind of a journey. In your bio, you say you're passionate about mysticism, just so people know, the, the cult. We love all this stuff. Mythology, history, masculinity, wellness, self-improvement, as well as preserving and advancing traditional European thought, culture, and identity. So I think a good place to begin, as you mentioned, that you were a priest of this interesting uh, esoteric sect. So let's get into your, your background a little bit and then kind of, yeah, go from there. Okay, um, so I guess background, background, I'm originally from rural Maine, uh, moved out to Oregon, um, and, you know, throughout that time, I want to say from my 20s, I got into shamanism, uh, new age stuff, and, and it really was, I mean, as a kid, I was raised Catholic, uh, so that definitely uh, made an impact on my my mind. Um, I was never confirmed. I didn't go through, I, I had an issue with the structure of the church and of the, basically the, the, the Pope itself, um, that office. I just had problems with that as I got older. Um, but I never lost, uh, you know, kind of a belief in the supernatural or belief in, in God or, or a higher power or whatever you want to call it. Um, and as I got into my early twenties, I did what you know, a lot of people have done and experimented with psychedelics. And that kind of took me down a path where I explored things like uh, shamanism and uh, basically that culminated me kind of going on my own uh, personal vision quest. I stayed out in the woods for about four days, uh, did some fasting and meditation, um, something that I repeated here a couple of years ago. Um, and that it basically prayed for, for guidance and, and that, essentially took me into doing martial arts and Taoism and Buddhism and my sensei in my martial arts instructor at the time, he uh, taught a class and he basically covered a waterfront of, of things from Ken Wilber and, and Wayne Dyer to, to Qigong and Taoist meditation and, and yoga and things like that. So um, that kind of primed me to explore these sort of new age ideas more. Um, and I eventually, when I ended up in Oregon, um, I, I was heavy into sort of Gnostic Christianity at that time and looking into that. Um, and I found a, a fellow who was on 
meetup group he was doing classes and he was uh he had been part of a group it was called the holy order of mans and they were a group uh, founded back in the 60s it was by a, a fellow named earl blighton uh, who himself he was an electrical engineer by trade but had also he was a, a rosicrucian and a mason i'm sure you know that'll set, oh, yeah. set all the conspiracy bells off um <laughs> and he uh def he he his idea was that he felt that there were uh teachings that shouldn't be kept secret he he was about kind of teaching small classes to the public and he was down in san francisco i moved down to san francisco during the time i want to say it was the early 60s right as you know the the hippie movement and the kind of new age stuff was really beginning to take off he himself was from uh the new thought tradition um which was kind of earlier uh 20th century uh you know think of things like um was it christian science um science of mind uh things like that this you know the idea of, of healing through through basically right living through right thinking all that um and he was into bringing that into uh he almost he kind of made a a, a hybrid of essentially new age and you know he had the dressings of, of traditional christianity specific, particularly catholicism and uh he would perform a communion ritual that was similar to what was the old Catholic communion before Vatican II in a way, as far as the priest with the back to the audience and things like that, if the congregation, I should say, uh, for those familiar with that. Um, so he started school essentially, and it turned into, uh, almost, it turned into an organization um, where, you know, he had, folks that that lived there um and they would go on missions across the country and start new schools um you would ordain people um and my teacher came out of that and he had after the order itself um kind of fell apart after father paul uh passed there were some interesting circumstances around his passing there was some controversy um he was you know, like most of these these leaders, uh, he he was a checkered individual. Um, you know, good and bad, and definitely uh, he when he left, he basically transitioned. Um, the people taking over, there was some arguments about what to do with the organization. That was right around the time the whole Jim Jim Jones thing had happened, and um, people were very wary of cults, uh, you know, personally looking back at the order and having heard the history and, and kind of the way they were, I needed to do things like, you know, start the, uh, it's the Raphael house, uh, especially a woman's shelter and things like that. I mean, they did do a lot of good stuff. Um, you know, I wouldn't say they were necessarily a cult in the classical sense. I mean, it's unfortunately there is, you know, a lot of baby boomers, it was it was pretty much all baby boomers as it was, you know, the 60s. So, I mean, there's, you know, the cult-like uh, mentality that kind of came out of, you know, some things in the 60s. It um, was inevitable. But, you know, and they sort of brought their their beliefs into, into the order. Um, you know, Father Paul himself, uh, he was a bit more conservative. He was uh, definitely, from what I've gathered, uh, kind of anti-communist. 
um, but he was also kind of that classical, you know, liberal. Um, he was very much a Mason in his belief that, you know, he believed that America was, you know, that there should be some sort of world democratic, uh, you know, order, you know, led by America, you know, whatever you want to, you know, however that would look. Um, so, yeah, definitely, you know, good and bad. It's all checkered. Um, yeah, it's with, interesting how that that. New Agey Christianity, really. It's really becoming more popular even today, and it's merging with liberalism. Mm -hmm. I remember going to Europe and learning about all these Christians that are actually very liberal, and I was like, what? What is that? And we don't have that in America. Most of them are, you know, conservative right-wingers and stuff. But now we see that changing even in America. Like, there's a lot of liberal neo-Marxist uh, Christianity that's coming and It's really fusing with this kind of new age universalist uh, globalist type of thing. So I wanted to get into, you know, the, the new age movement. I know we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater, as they say. I want to get into some mm -hmm. of the deceptions of the new age movement versus some of the truths within it. Now, we've done shows in the past about how well, Henrik has about the new age movement, which has been almost exclusively a liberal thing, right? It's a lefty movement. It's become uh, a new religion, I think, to really prevent people from developing a deep understanding of natural law, which includes a lot of right-wing aspects like masculinity, family, structure, you know, taking c control of your destiny. It's, it's incredibly passive, right? Just let the universe take care of it. So instead of taking the reins and, you know, taking control of things yourself, right? Uh, you just have your wish boards and your mantras, right? So what do you? what can you say about the New Age movement as far as because there, there are some truths in there, right? But there's deceptions as well. Yeah, and that's and that is the tricky thing with it. I mean, you have to approach it with with a high amount of discernment, and you know that 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 awful words discrimination. Um, you know, you have to you know look at everything. Um, I came at it from, like I said, a, a background of traditional religion, but also a heavy into mythology and things like that. Um, but you know, not to go off on a tangent. Uh, so with the new age itself, um, yeah, there is a lot of tendency to kind of ignore the bad, you know, you know, just, just think about light and love and, and, you know, ignore the fact that there are, there are definitely dark forces there. Um, but as far as, you know, at the same time, it, the New Age borrows heavily from ancient pagan and, and mystery traditions, um, but what it tends to do is it discards uh, the aspects that aren't compatible with, uh, you know, globalist capitalist modernity. Um, you know, I would say that, you know, a lot of it is, you know, I think of, you know, folks that say the spiritual, not religious. Um, it's this idea that we you know, folks will want this kind of lovey-dovey experience and, and they, they want to feel all the love and light, but they don't want um, the things that are necessary in order to, to get to those places. They don't want the, uh, the moral code. They don't want um, any kind of restrictions or constraint um, that were inherent in spiritual discipline. It's, it's, the, it's the discipline part that is kind of moved away and, and, and kind of poo-pooed. 
Yeah, that's right. It's discipline. Is like it's that's considered like fascism now, right? <laughs> Any kind of structure and order and like all of that's yeah, going out the window, constraint. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, any any kind of constraint, um, you know, like the new age itself. I mean, you know, the idea of of, of ages, uh, you know, with the sun passing through the house of the zodiac. Um, that's a, that's an ancient concept, and it's it, it, it there there are forces that that can be used for either good or, or ill. Yeah, I mean, there's certain aspects of you had said the the New Age movement has borrowed from older traditions, and and I agree. I mean, like the idea of uh, a higher self, for instance, or meditation, or uh, prayer and manifestation, maybe uh, karma archetypes, all those things that the New Age movement uh, they've borrowed from from older things, right? But you have a, a chapter in your book that says uh, don't be a, a Jim Carrey, right? Tell us a little bit about that because I mean Jim Carrey really went off uh, <laughs> went off the deep been taking this uh, new age a bit extreme yeah so jim carrey if i remember correctly yes i wrote that chapter that that essay here a few years ago but i think he was basically talking about you know he it was he basically had had gotten rid of his his ego and you know he was he was above all that and it reminded me of a while ago, there was uh, it was when I when I came into contact with the uh, the ideas from the, the secret and this idea of creative manifestation, and I had a coworker actually who introduced that particular uh, well, it was a film that I saw, but it was also based on a book um, to me, and he was going around work saying, "I am God," you know, "I am," you know, "I am the divine," and it's. It is again. It's this idea of spiritual egotism. Um, it's this idea that, and it, it, they talk about this in Hermetic philosophy and in the Kabbalion. Uh, you know that there's a difference between okay, we are uh, reflections and aspects of a divine force in the way that, you know, say. You know, one of the characters of Dickens is, is an aspect of of him. Um, you know, we are not God, the totality of, of the universe, you know, whatever you want to what to give that as far as a name. Um, we are aspects of it, and we are here to essentially fully realize ourselves, um, you know, come into wholeness and unity internally, you know, to, to reconcile the disparate elements of ourselves, you know, our light, our dark. Um, you know, come to face to face with our fears, uh, cross our own internal abyss and become fully actualized uh, individuals. But, but it's not this idea that we're going to become completely absorbed and, and lose all identity in some sort of uh, mass blob of, of a hive mind or, or, or something of that nature. And that seems to be a lot of of what people in the new age are kind of give for even my, you know, talking with my old mentor um, at times, you know, he would kind of talk about, you know, this idea that we're just going to, you know, it's all about, you know, it's all about the oneness. It's all about everything being connected. It's like, yes, everything is connected, but we aren't meant to lose our identities in connection. And I think that's, that's, that's something that, that a lot of that, that's, that's being sort of pushed. 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. That, like, that's true. With the globalists. I mean, that fits perfectly with their whole agenda, right? We're all one. It's just this big brotherhood. And, of course, sure, there's some truth to that, but they just use this lingo, right? They use it to kind of dupe you into uh, basically not being a nationalist, <laughs> basically, like, replacing uh, white people in white countries, you know. just It's always open up and just trust and let it flow and the forces with, you know, this this type of lingo to, to bring in this universalist idea where we are just a big hive mind, but ultimately they control that hive mind. And I see they're ultimately using this type of new age lingo to push this uh, fourth industrial revolution, like you mentioned in your book. So let's get a little bit into how and why they're using it. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the new age itself, I mean, what a lot of people talk about is this age of Aquarius and it's debatable when that has happened. You know, there are some folks, I, I know the traditions that uh, the, the fellow uh, who founded the order that ultimately ordained me, um, you know, they were talking about the age of Aquarius happening, you know, sometime around the late 1800s, early 1900s, you know, the, people that were in the order, the, you know, the, the hippies that joined, um, they thought the age of Aquarius was in, in the sixties and, you know, they were, they were singing that song. Um, it more than likely, you know, Pat happened probably sometime now or between now and 2030, if I remember I was looking at actual, you know, what the astrological, you know, realities of that might actually be. Um, it's tough to say we are definitely, I mean, by all metrics, we are in a transition point now for sure. Um, and what, you know, these, these oligarchs, they, they look to do is, is direct, distort and, and utilize, uh, what's, what's actually an organic and, and unstoppable astrological and spiritual event and kind of, you know, judo move it for their own game, uh, you know, there's uh, definitely a quickening uh, occurring in the organic uh, evolution of humanity in the earth. And this evolution is being driven by the sun, our sun, um, which is, you know, my mentor, he would always, you know, refer to it as you know, the physical body of an, of an invisible, of an invisible God, um, ultimately a spiritual force. And it's a gateway to higher realms. And it's, it's an initiate. It's, it's, Basically, what's happening right now is an initiation process, um, and it's a pass or fail kind of deal. Um, but there are forces and individuals that you know aren't going to pass this initiation and evolve along with this greater, higher, organic spiritual impulse that is looking to take humanity up. Um, and they're not they're you know these people that have not taken the time to clean up their internal garbage and you know just generation after generation of just degeneration and completely uh just going completely against nature completely against cosmic law it's it's ultimate uh, rebellion and they've embraced lower nature and the archetypal forces of lower realms which is what a lot of people in the new age kind of get caught into you know with the whole channeling and all that you know, most people, you know, they're not communing with these higher entities, you know, they're, you know, solar beings or, or beyond that, you know, they're, they're looking at things that are, you know, for lack of a better word from the demonic realms, they're lower, uh, sort of like fourth dimensional, um, sort of astral entities, um, as opposed 
to you know angels or, or whatever you want to refer to him or, or the higher gods and things like that. Even with the liberalism today, like Satanism is being pushed. Like even there was even a, a Satanist group that was trying to have a club for kids in this in the school, and they're like, oh, it was okay. We were just renting space in this grade school or whatever. But you see, you see Satanism being <laughs> defended now. So that's definitely interacting with some uh, trying to interact with some lower level G's. You know. Anyway, go on. <laughs> Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it's, and that's, I mean, especially, I mean, I don't know. So it's hard for me not to snicker at, at some of this, this stuff, especially the, the Satanists, just how, at least the ones that, that get attention on, on TV, how LARPing, pomp and circumstance, how, how very showy it is. Yeah. How, I don't know. It's, it's, I know. But it's, it's but not, it is it's, very much, you know, it's, it is indicative of a larger issue in that, you know, we are definitely, you know, those people that, that kind of steer and control the media and the narrative and everything else are seeking to orient people's consciousness in, in a certain way as, as, you know, they're essentially predatory and, mm. you know, they need the mass of the population to kind of go along with with this very anti-natural, anti, you know, and all and all their, you know, philosophies and things they push are ultimately, you know, against any sort of real, definitive, natural order. Nothing, nothing is defined. It's all, it's all subjective. It's all ultimately, it's nothing. It's nothing. You know, it's that's what, right. And it really fits Jack in with Donovan that called the empire of nothing. That's yeah. What it is. <laughs> and it really fits in with that left wing agenda, like all of this perfectly. Right. You, you can't know the truth or the, there is no uh, definitive truth on things or we can be any gender we want to be or, you know, it just goes on and on. And this kind of nebulous uh, cloud of whatever you want it to be, as opposed to just the reality of things that are really grounded in in earth and truths and natural law and even true spiritual law, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, this this idea that, yeah, we can go ahead and, and be whatever we want. You know, it's, there's, it, again, what they do is they take things that are, you know, spiritual truths or they have some sort of grain of spiritual truth to them and they totally pervert it. Um, you know, things like, like I said, the, the, the transgenderism thing. I mean, there is a, see if I can find a, a quote here I'm looking for. Yeah. I mean, there's a quote from the, the gospel of Thomas. It was, it's one of the older Gnostic gospels and it says, uh, Jesus saying, you know, when you make the two one, when you make the inside as the outside, the outside as the inside, the upper as the lower, and you make the male and the female into a single one, so that the male is not male and the female is not female. And when you make the eyes in place of an eye and a hand in place of a hand, foot in place of a foot, an image in place of an image, then you shall enter the kingdom. Um, if you take that literally, um, you know, you can use that to justify, okay, well, then I should, I can be whatever sex or gender I, I want to be. Um, but that's not really how that's meant to be taken. It's, it's, it's talking more about an internal process. It's, it's a process of, that you go through through spiritual discipline and initiation where you seek to reconcile, again, the disparate, disparate elements of yourself. Um, it's not 
you know, externalizing everything. And again, it's it's a it's a materialistic ultimately approach to these things, and it's it's a way to really seek to evolve humanity without having to do the hard spiritual work that it takes to do it right. That's what it is. Oh yeah, absolutely. Now, how do you think this whole transhumanism thing comes into that? Because it's all part of really ultimately this trans agenda that it's going into something that's uh, not human, that's not grounded in, in natural law anymore. Yeah, I mean, transhumanism, you know, it's this elite vision of, of becoming gods through through technology rather than, again, through through spiritual discipline. It's 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 an attempt at a, at a shortcut because they can't get there the old fashioned way, the way that's that's meant to go, the organic way, um, because they feel they're just too far gone or they'll have to relinquish control. And it's something that's going to go horribly, horribly wrong. Um, I remember uh, a while ago, I, I listened to a, an interview with a, a remote viewer named Aaron Donahue, who is very interesting character. And he was talking about uh, he remote viewed uh, sometime into the future where we had gone into you know, this idea that we're going to upload our consciousness into into the machine or into the hive or, or whatever it's going to be, into AI, and that essentially there was a virus and it had turned into a living hell. And you know, I could definitely see those kinds of scenarios possibly play out if we, you know, keep wanting to play play God the way we are. Um, one of the, the big influences on a lot of my work um, in my my perspective on on this kind of stuff uh, comes from a, a guy named Rudolf Steiner, yep. um, who spoke uh, of of things of the it's called the the eighth sphere, um, which is this. Uh, it's basically understood to kind of be the the hell realms that that surround Earth. It's really, you know, and I don't really like the term hell at you know, just because of all the, the sort of connotations it has uh, with, with people. It's really more of a garbage dump and a recycling plant um, for lower energies to be processed. Um, but there are entities uh, that, that live there. And, you know, I, I'm one of those people, I think that, that AI, you know, like, like Elon Musk said, we are unleashing the demon. I think, you know, transhumanism is a lot about attempting to to use AI as sort of a vessel for, for potentially these beings or, or, you know, in, in at the same time, allow these elites to become, you know, these, these God men, you know, ultimately that's not going to work. Uh, it's, it's going to create a, a divergence in, in human beings. And I think we are definitely at a time where there is a, there is a distinct fork in the road, especially, you know, we have oh, yeah. these MRNA injections and, and, you know, all these other things that are, that are coming up and they're being pushed, you know, especially with COVID has just been the great excuse to, to unleash all of this on a population that was really kind of, you know, they weren't moving fast enough for, for the Davos crowd liking. So they just had to, you know, look into cram this down our throats. And, and I think we are in the middle of the largest human experiment in history. And I am, you know, I, I, Try not to hold too much fear in my heart because it doesn't really help me, but I can't help to say that I'm a little terrified as to where this might go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, they're going to push it. 
They're going to push it to very dark places. But at the same time, there's always that uh, a boomerang effect, right? That that always is going to happen. They they're going to they have a plan. They've set a plan. They think it's going to go that way. They think they are gods now, right? That they can get away with anything. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that's when um, the big G's, <laughs> you know, conjure up another spirit, uh, another force on the earth, another warrior spirit, which I see happening now. That will be a big backlash. Mm-hmm. It doesn't go just the way they want. And if they do plug into these machines. I do hope that there's a virus that uh, takes them to the equivalent of hell where they can just like live out the rest of their days until they shrivel like a raisin for all the crap that they've done. But, yeah, let's talk about this this global religion, right, being promoted by these Masons and these uh, Talmudic, uh, you know, Talmudic Judaism uh, and Marxism, right, is helping to, to re- really reshape the image of man and, and think themselves to be a god. You wrote a little bit about this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this kind of global religion. I mean, it's we have the idea of the Jewish idea of tikkun olam. Um, you know, this this notion that the, the the world itself is is imperfect, and in certain interpretations, this also includes the natural world. And of course, uh, you know, as we've experienced it, it also includes uh, white Europeans and and our societies. Um, and you know, there are. Some are interpretations, you know, where this kind of Jewish Gnostic idea of, of the Adam Cadman being the new man um, that will be created through this repairing of the world. You know, in, in the Talmud itself, um, we see a central theme that the Jews, you know, see themselves to, to be basically God on earth. Um, you know, this belief system is, you know, one for another uh, present in both religious and secular cultural Judaism. Um you know, it's, you know, kind of, you know, kind of do my, my little PC caveat, I guess, because I definitely, you know, I've had friends that are, that are Jews and, and, you know, they're not all like evil, wicked people or, or whatever, sure. but yeah. as a, as a cultural and a social force, um, it just is what it is. I, I you know, I'm sorry it offends people. <laughs> um, definitely lost some friends over that. Uh, but, you know, and this, this kind of idea would be mirrored in, in sort of, later secular and humanist philosophy that, that enculturated into the West and, you know, moving to Freemasonry, um, you know, kind of skipping over the, 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 the mythological origins or, or, you know, Solomon's temple, um, which is, it's just interesting in itself because I mean, if you, Solomon himself was very much, uh, you know, he basically invited, you know, what they call, foreign gods which which basically meant uh you know he was making treaties with with foreign powers to to so he could become you know a globalist you know at that time kind of globalist trading nation just like everybody else um and you know he was thought of as the the great you know figure in in masonry uh, along with you know the architect Hiram Biff but you know back to historical masonry you know a lot of these folks were students or of Talmudic rabbis who around the time that masonry came about um, had decided that it, it was okay to start, you know, letting the, the Gentiles and certain Goyim uh, know about their, you know, things like the Kabbalah, which, you know, again, is another one of those things that can be looked at or utilized in positive and negative ways, I guess. I've, I, I've never really been too big into practicing the Kabbalah just seemed too foreign to me. Some people do it, but 
you know, the Masons themselves, they were, you know, they, they were about the cities um, and they're, you know, and, and this is this kind of spirituality, I guess you want to call it, that was largely, you know, almost antagonistic to the more agrarian peasant forms of spirituality that, that existed. And, and much of the, the kind of modern world is based on this this war of these of urban elitists against, uh, you know, rural traditions and rural folk. Um, you know, again, not to say that these, uh, you know, all these philosophies and practices are inherently evil, you know, things like alchemy and, and you know, the hermetic texts that came out of the Renaissance that were, they were founded, they were funded by, you know, folks like the Medici's and, and banking clans because ultimately they found it served their self-interest. It was able, they were able to use it as a solvent to break down traditional structures and break down traditional orders. Um, it's kind of this uh, sort of chthonic uh, force um, that was basically, you know, you seek to, to level the old order, the old traditional orders that are there uh, with these forces so you can eventually remake it uh, to, to more of your own liking. Um, but, yeah, no, be it, you know, these Talmudic Jews or Masons, you know, it's even if they're ideological ancestors like the Phoenicians and mm-hmm. Babylonians, you know, all these groups uh, had a culture kind of geared more towards the the merchant mercantile cast of society that that's always kind of been the perpetual outsider Mm -hmm. uh in in the ancient medieval world and and so it's it's basically a victory of the merchant class and you know the the, you know the self-interest of these merchant and banking cabals was you know the is driving force behind Marxism as well. Um, you know, it's also, you know, if I know about the French Revolution before it, um, and all these things were promoted and funded by these, you know, wealthy oligarchs and, and groups to further their own self-interest. Yeah. We have the, you know, new Soviet man that, that was talked about in, in, in communist Marxist Leninism um, that was supposed to arise out of this communist utopia. Um, and all these things it was again it's this part of this recurring theme that we see where you know we have concepts that attempt to mirror a spiritual quest for self mastery but doing so through inherently materialistic and and anti-spiritual methods and philosophies that's right and we see that today with uh, their talk of ending racism right so in order to end racism and all conflict and strife in the world which this planet isn't about that right uh one thing that we need to do is all blend into this new man this new uh global man where we're all mixed together and there's no countries there's no borders or boundaries uh, you know we don't care about our heritage and our history because then that will create peace i think that's another uh, perversion that's taking that other soviet new man to to this day and age like their plans of what they want to do and i i think another thing too you mentioned of they're they're using these things to benefit themselves right some of this occult knowledge and one of those things is uh, hijacking really the this divine feminine idea and using um 
you know, the feminist movement, right? Leveling masculinity, right? To, to, to remake it into basically these beta males that are easy to control, right? But we keep hearing about the divine mm-hmm. feminine in these new age circles. You know, it was, I was hearing about it for years. I was just like, enough of it already. How we've shifted from this masculine rule to feminine. So let's talk about this perversion of the masculine feminine balance and how both have been basically reduced, as you say in the book, as uh, caricatures of themselves. Yeah, I mean, they, they really are. I mean, you know, masculine and feminine itself, I mean, we're, we're talking about polarities, you know, like polarities, like the, the poles on a battery or, you know, I, I think the best, it's like yin and yang, um, you know, each each is, they complement each other, but each are, are distinct and they have their own characteristics in nature and, and they're meant to exist like that. Um, and, but you know, they need to coexist and they need to work together and they have specific, you know, roles and, and functions and characteristics that need to be understood and respected. Um, you know, I think of, you know, there was a, a Gnostic myth of uh, Sophia, um, one of the, basically the, the, the great goddess of, of Gnosticism and how she was basically attempted to create on her own without the masculine counterpart and she essentially uh made a monster um things like that uh you know we have in ancient times uh let's say in in babylon and and phoenicia there was the the carnival of ishtar um where they would set aside certain, you know, a certain period of time for, for folks to basically, you know, invert society or, well, there was basically, a, it was, it was more of a, a sort of a focused inversion, you know, it, it had its place, it had its time, but, you know, in larger society, you know, they still maintained the, the masculine principles that were used to govern it in order, um, you know, but now we're in a state of, of constant carnival and, and tearing down what's left of the old institutions to rebuild the new world. You know, we don't have, you know, this this idea that there's, okay, there is this, this darker feminine force. Um, and really what it is, it's, it's the, it's, you know, speaking from a, from a spiritual perspective, it's, it's the, it's what's known as the abyss or it's, it's kind of like the like a, a black mirror and it reflects everything inside of you and everything inside of humanity that need it's it's all it shows you all your monsters but your monsters are there for you to overcome you cross over the abyss and you go into into the light of the solar sun um <clears throat> and again it's this idea that the the dark feminine is there to test us and to help us cross over into the into the solar um but again this is being used you know things like feminism um you know it's 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 this inverted feminism i'm this inverted feminine and it it's it's socially it's been used to really fool women into thinking that motherhood is oppressive and that working as wage slaves is freedom which is (laughs) <laughs> baffling when you really think about it, but that's that's what it is it's and you know on it's very anti-feminine isn't it you know we have these these um kind of weakened emasculated uh really now toxic men because it's 
you know it's not that masculinity itself is is toxic it, it's that it's been made toxic by a world that wants to destroy it it's you know men men as men are inherently dangerous to any sort of overarching system of control um so we need to be broken down as well um and it, it again it, it manifests either as you know super weak super feminine or men who overcompensate and basically just act like children you know we are in a world of adult children um you know that that is unfortunately what it is um you know we you know people don't want responsibilities they 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 just want to you know they want freedom without the responsibility of having it and, and freedom in in the modern sense is just i want to be able to do whatever i want and you know it's it's again all of this is used against us it is used uh, basically to break down you know whatever's left of, of things like you know traditional society you know the family you know the tribe you know all these organic you know organic ways of, of living and being um you know that's you know unfortunately it's doing a lot of damage to to people to, to men women and and frankly children it's 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 destroying the way kids are growing up now um and yes i mean i i myself am, am, am somebody who came from uh, a divorced home and and you know didn't have you know definitely I did have a father figure, but definitely didn't grow up with a, uh, you know, a father in the traditional sense. And, you know, it's one of those things where I've had to spend my adult life working to discipline myself and working to discover, you know, that true masculine force within me and what that means, um, as opposed to having somebody guide me through that and seek out initiations on my own. Well, yeah, I know. And there's a, a lot of guys in that situation, too, unfortunately. It's like... It used to be the older generations, they would teach what it is to be a man, you know, they go through their initiations or, or being a woman, like how important it is, a, a family and having children and all those things. Was, that's all gone out the window through all this uh, programming and, and equality is one of the things I want to get into. This this obsession uh, with equity and equality, it's just like, it's insane. It's like people are just psychotic about it. So I want to talk, talk about where that stems from because you had a chapter where you were basically talking about uh, Indo Aryan humanitarianism and kind of uh, some of the roots of where this stems from. And I found that to be really interesting. So maybe you could give us just like a brief summary of that. Yeah, I mean, that was uh, honestly, first and foremost, I think, you know, I, I came across that idea uh, from a, a fellow who's also a fellow uh, Artos author, I'm sure a lot of people know, uh, Jason Reza Giorgiani, mm -hmm. um, and his work and his lectures and writings on, on Persia and its role in, in ancient and uh, in, in development of, you know, Europe as well. Um, there are a lot of your, your, you know, viewers and listeners will know that, you know, ancient Persia, um, they, you know, were, most of them were, you know, of Indo-European stock, uh, which, you know, similar to, to those of us, uh, you know, from Europe, uh, European descent, uh, Western Europe and, and Eastern Europe. Um, but, you know, it was this idea that, you know, spiritual principles uh, needed to be embodied in an earthly law uh, to create a just society. 
um, and that to orient the society in that manner would would help it to to reach uh, godliness. Uh, I think it was uh, called Santa Manu. Um, you know, obviously a problem with 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 anything you know like that you know is is it can have trappings of uh, you know utopianism in, in that we can you know if we're looking to mirror the divine we can potentially do it in a perverse and materialistic way and ultimately lose um, what we are looking to do but I think the you know this idea of you know because Cyrus the Great he was uh, definitely about I said looking to to create this this sort of uh, divine kingdom, um, and you know we have uh, in in our traditions in, in Western European traditions and in, in as a, in general, you know we look at you know ancient Germanic law and the positions of, of women in, in Celtic and Germanic culture. Um, I myself, I in my blog especially i didn't talk too much about it in the book because it's something that warrants its own and eventually i might get to writing a book on this um <clears throat> i was always fascinated or been fascinated for several years uh by uh the oral linda book um which i think you've also had uh, jan ott on your show a That's couple right. times here and they really speak of uh you know an ancient uh your proto it would be basically considered a proto indo-european uh culture um where it was very much about you know a just society uh freedom but but you know responsibility uh for those freedoms it was about having you know people having uh equality under the law yeah that's different um, that's you know, a different thing yeah a, i'd say equality I, I would say yeah that's that's a different thing equality under the law this is a great thing right we, we do want true justice and and being treated equal under the law but what they're what we're seeing today is just a total perversion, right? It's a totally gone mad when it comes to equality. But anyway, go on. Yeah, no, it's it definitely because it's you know equality under the law does not mean you know we're all equal in you know every facet. You know this idea that we need you know everybody needs to be made the same. Um, you know all you're going to do all you do is create a race to the bottom. You know it's it's just appealing to the lowest common denominator rather than you know, on the one hand, seeking to raise people up, uh, you know, not just through, you know, providing basic needs and things like that, but creating a culture that, that seeks to drive them to strive to be the best that they are, the best that they can be and, and manifest out of themselves. Um, instead of doing that, because that's too hard, you know, in that, in that empower, and, in, in, you know, in, in modern sense, you know, the terms of the, the ruling elite we have, that would empower people too much. Um, so instead, we need something that that's basically creates a society of again, grown children whining because the other kid has a toy that they don't. <laughs> and, you know, that's, Pretty much. That's unfortunately where we're at. And now it's become real victim culture. You had a chapter on why I no longer fight for social justice. And you talk about how these groups are, they aren't in it fighting against the man, right? Really. It's really about power and it's about money. And you said, while it's appealing to the part of ourselves that identifies with the victim, this critical theory, social justice belief system is just that, a belief system. You said it's low-hanging fruit to those who are actually on the path of spiritual development. So let's get into this uh, social justice movement a bit and your thoughts. 
Uh, social justice. Um, you know, I see the, 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 the trigger for me. I mean, part of, part of the, the impetus for me writing that and writing about social justice and things like that so much was because I used to professionally work in that, in that, that environment. I, that was how I, I came to be where I am was originally taking a job uh, with uh, organized labor at the time. Uh, seems like another lifetime ago. Um, and, and at this point, all my, all my former friends or it associates there have, have definitely, uh, I, I'm on the blacklist, we'll say. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, if, you know, these, these groups, these organizations, you know, like the one I worked for, like, you know, the Black Lives Matter organization, all that, you know, first and foremost, they're, they're ultimately self-serving. Um, they, if, if, if the problems that they fight for went away, then they wouldn't exist. They wouldn't be getting their money. They wouldn't be getting their prestige or, or whatever else, you know, that justifies their existence. Um, and ultimately, you know, if you're, you're not a rebel, if you're, if you're getting a paycheck from an organization that's supposedly fighting the power structure. Meanwhile, they're putting in candidates that are part of the power structure. You know, I, I was basically just just working to, to get Democrats in office. That's that's really what it was about. You know, we kind of laughed about it at the time, but it's it's you know, that's what it was. You know, they're just used to ex advance the, the neoliberal power structure itself and kind of corral any sort of folks that that might actually want to rebel into these approved approved camps into these you know approved approved outlets you know like a like a like a steam valve or something like that to you know so and it helps people feel like oh they belong you know they feel like they belong to something everybody likes to belong to stuff and, and you know so it's, it's really I gotta ask, was, what changed? What changed your mind then? What pulled you out of that whole scene of uh, the social justice warrior? Um, well, it's funny because I guess I was always kind of at a dichot, a, 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 a bit of a dissonance, I guess. You know, I came in to being politically involved from my my old sensei who also was the one who got me and you know looking to the new age stuff um he introduced me to ron paul and alex jones of all things nice so i would go out canvassing knocking on the door talking about you know healthcare reform or whatever kind of kind of bs we were talking about at the time and you know i was listening to, to infowars on my lunch break <laughs> nice. um so that's kind of where i did I too years ago i did so too. Obviously, that kind of distance couldn't can hold. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and it was just I would, you know, hear, you know, the kind of talking points like this idea that, oh, you know, these Tea Party people, you know, that was the thing at the time. This was back 2010, 2011, 2012. Um, these Tea Party people, they're they're all racist, and that's kind of why they do things. And it's just like, no, it's it's really it's really not what it's about. It's it's again, it's. It's a, 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 you know, any, anyone from, from the left and, and liberalism in general, they only know right-wing thought of any kind. And I mean, you know, the whole Alex Jones libertarian thing, that's, you can argue that's even a really right-wing. I mean, you can argue if American conservatism is really right-wing, right but, you know, these 
folks, they only know, the average liberal only knows the right from the writings of their enemies. You know, they know them and they know us the caricature. Uh, and it's, it makes things, it's easier that way. And it's also easier to demonize people when you don't really know the complexities or the ins and outs of what they are actually standing for, what they actually believe or want in all of this. Yeah, it gets them out of having to debate them because there's some big things that need to be answered there. And it's easy to corner those people <laughs> with just a simple line of questioning. I wanted to get your opinion on why the attack on European people, white people, if you will, in terms of um, physical, but also the spiritual aspects. Why is it, why the obsession to war against our people right now? Well, um, to, uh, there, there is the what I would say, you know, might be the somewhat obvious answer, and there is a, a very long-standing uh, grudge uh, from I don't know, us from a certain tribe of people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there, there is definitely a, a long-standing Jewish grudge against white Europeans and, and traditional, you know, European Christians, and it's historical, and it it, it has you know it has its roots, you know far back uh you know you have you know this you know back to to rome and and you know phoenicia and and older than that um you know where it come from or or why you know we can you know i guess going back to the middle ages you know there was definitely you know this idea that that jews or talmudic jews in particular um you know who's again were were progenitors and ancestors and in of the new age movement and are particular with kabbalah and are still very much uh involved now uh, you know it's you know jewish people are, are speckled throughout the the new age movement you know they can you go from you know the integral stuff to you know their buddhist people and teachers and and you know channelers and all this kind of stuff um and you know it's 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 ultimately a grudge of resentment uh i i would say um they but there also could be other aspects of it like i said i've you know talking about the the oral linda book um it definitely does talk about um ancient almost kind of uh racial type grudges that are going on um and things like that you know, there's there have been people like I want to say Miguel Serrano and, and others, kind of in the more right wing sort of uh, new age uh, that that was you know there around the turn of the century and, and just after the uh, World War II, um, talking about the sort of you know you know Jewish being you know Jews being the, the agents of the archons and and these kind of forces. Um, you know, I don't know. It could be something that that is an inherent archetypal drive um you know i i i believe you know ultimately it's it's it serves a role in in forging us as far as through opposition through adversary so i mean it's definitely i guess helpful in that way um but you know i will say i know you know white europeans in general uh we have uh, a long history and again even going back to the the, the idea of the oral linda book if you think about it as a, a potential history of of you know pre-indo-europeans 
um, or Proto-Indo-Europeans, I should say, uh, they were very much opposed to slavery. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's something that we have had a, had a tradition of, you know, we have always demanded uh, more justice. We, we have high justice, you know, societies, you know, we, we are very big into law, you know, we have our breed on law, the common law, um, you know, of course, the Constitution, which, you know, has its issues, but is definitely, you know, stems from that, particularly the, the Bill of Rights, which was from the anti-federalists who were actually vehemently opposed to the Constitution, but I think they were the best part of it. Um, and, and us being, having these standards uh, is troublesome for a, a global oligarchy that's bent on totalitarian control of all aspects of human life. Oh, yeah. And look at us. We're the one demographic that's largely standing up against uh, vaccines and this globalist regime and all these horrible things that's mm-hmm. trying to push against us. We're the loudest ones, right? I mean, that's why they just call it basically this uh, anti-COVID jab movement. They call it a far-right extremist, racist, white supremacist movement. Oh, oh it is. <sighs> um, definitely. I don't think of one of my favorite uh, developments, honestly, out of the whole COVID thing has been you know, the talk of, or this, this kind of move against what's called like kind of conspirituality, conspirituality culture. Um, and uh, there's several articles that have come out here in the last uh, year or so, you know, lamenting about, well, all oh, the, the normally, you know, kind of lefty, wagey sort of wellness movement has, has, has joined with, 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 with Q and, and these far right, Nazis, I'm like, you know, I'm just kind of thinking back. It's like, oh, cool. I've been doing this for a while. But it's, <laughs> it's it's refreshing. <laughs> yep. It's yep. refreshing to see, and I think you know that's that's something that I have a lot of a lot of hope for. Yeah, I mean, me too. Definitely. It's it's a plus. Wellness is a huge thing. And, that's right. It's a plus. There's always going to be yeah. that boomerang effect, right? So there's always going to be a reaction. I also wanted to get into, because um, time is ticking, so so many things in your book I wanted to get into, but uh, blood and soil, the importance of ancestors and all that. And part of that is, is tribalism. Now, a lot of times I hear conservatives are always down on tribalism, right? They, they lump tribalism in with negative actions like greed and fear, but everything is tribal. Everyone is tribal. Everyone is guilty of it. You even say whether you're in a sewing club or military or political group, that's all tribalism, right? You're... You're coming together with people that you you agree with and you have common interests with and and you're you're fighting for something, right? And in our case, yeah, yeah. And it's not this bad thing. And then, of course, they have the uh, globalist elitists, you know. Sure, they're they're a tribe, if you will, even though there's lots of infighting and and they're doing their things. But why is it important? Uh, Tribalism and blood and soil, uh, you get into like the blood of our ancestors. That's important because there's a tribal component that's genetic, and then there's a tribal component of, of people that just have some shared, you know, interests. But we're never going to get away from this tribalism thing. And it's it's going more more down that path, which uh, which I support, because this idea of these big countries and these big regions, it's just things are too divided and too chaotic. So now people are thinking more in terms of small, smaller, locally, finding finding your tribe, finding your village. And I feel like that's a step in, in the right direction to be able to weather some things that may be potentially coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, this idea or this belief that that 
there could be some kind of post-tribal human or, or, or you know, this, this attempt to make, you know, to, to atomize us and, and to make us these completely deracinated, rootless cogs in a machine, really. You know, that's, that's, that's what it's about. You know, we're meant to be, you know, replaceable cogs in, in a machine that, that, you know, have no origin and just have the history that is written for us on, on you know, whatever whatever day you know the media decides to to say this story is true that story is true um but it's it's ultimately you know you're not going to make a human uh, not tribal any more than you're going to make a dog or, or, or wolf that doesn't want to run in packs or a bee that doesn't want to be part of a hive or, or something like that it's it's natural it's 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 part of the the, the, the fabric of, of our nature and i believe that you know nature itself is intelligent and you know the the nature that we see on earth is a reflection of of higher cosmic law and order and realities and you know speaking of of you know talking about ancestry um you know i believe that you know we need to fully actualize ourselves and and our ancestry is a big part of that um they literally made us they are the chain that that created us and you know, on, on our <clears throat> in many ways, and there's strength and wisdom there, and I think it'd be foolish not to utilize it. I know in my own practice, um, I have a little kind of shrine to my my ancestors, got some grandparents and great grandparents and great great grandparents up there, and I, you know, I seek to honor them and you know ask them for their their strength and their guidance. And if I'm doing a communion, I'll I'll invite them to come in and and come into communion with me. Um, and it's, you know, I think it's, it's, it's something that it's, it's part of, part of who we are and the idea that we need to, you know, discard who we are, that we need to pretend that it doesn't exist or pretend that it does, that it isn't important, um, is, is, is not good and it's not, not healthy, you know, to, for us to live in, in these kinds of societies that we live in that, that that sees these things as, as a negative or don't really value them. I mean, even, you know, I came from, from rural Maine and even there, um, you know, we were, you know, we were white, but we didn't really think about our, you know, the deeper, what that means. And I mean, yes, it, you know, this is my, my, my skin color. It's, it, it's part of who I am and it's, and it's a representative of, of my ancestry and, and who I am. But, you know, there's, there's more to that, like there's oh, more yeah. to, you know, I, I I like to learn about my ancestors. I've had the, been fortunate enough to walk on the grounds in Scotland where my ancestors lived uh, long before I even knew that they that they were actually there. That was where my my clan was from. Cool. Um, and it's it adds a it adds a richness uh, to to your life and and you know in my own shamanic practices that I've that I would do years ago. Um, I would always kind of find myself coming into contact with these sort of uh, ancestral sort of northern european archetypes and they would, they would always pop up and you know there's again there there's wisdom and there's 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 things there to be gleaned that i think is is would be wrong for us not to take advantage oh, yeah. of and wrong for us not to honor these people that that you know were 
foundational to, to who we are and be grateful for them and the sacrifices they made. It's almost a way of, I think, of almost reincarnation because we are all those that have gone before us, right? People talk about ancestral blood memories or uh, Stephen McNallan talking about, you know, tribal genetic memories or uh, chains of uh, ancestral connections. There's a lot of folk wisdom there, right, That that's imparted that you tap into. And that's why it's so important, I think, to get in touch with, as they say, blood and soil, right? Because with that comes all this other knowledge and self-actualization. And I think that's why they're so terrified of <laughs> European people, like, getting back in touch with that. Being Growing up in America, me too. Grew, growing up in Oregon, like, you didn't, oh, I'm, I'm white or whatever. I knew I was Russian, though, so I had a whole heritage and history there. But I didn't know how far deep it was. You know, there was all these things I didn't learn about because no one tells you about these things or... You just learn about just like basic tier American history. But as an American, you don't think of yourself as European and that there's this old, rich tribal culture and heritage there and folk religions. And I mean, that's really life changing, I think, for for especially growing up in America when you learn some of those things. And then it makes you want to dive into the history of where your people were. Or what did they do? And am I kind of following in their legacy? You know, and some of those things I've unconsciously picked up on. It was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Some of my my uh, great-grandparents and stuff, they were they were on Bolshevik lists, you know. <laughs> they were hunted down back then. And so I'm just basically following in the line of those who have gone before me. But it's a, it's a pretty cool realization when you tap into that. And I think there's a lot of power and strength that you can draw upon there. Like you said, that you will call out to them when you're doing things. And, and I do that too if, I, if I'm meditating or praying. And, and like I could feel, you feel them with you. You know, you feel them watching over you. And that's, that's very important. Yeah, I mean, it's like I said, I'm like, again, like, like you're saying, I'm, you know, learning about my ancestors and, you know, again, learning to be to be grateful for them, I think is, is again, so, so important. And, you know, as far as, uh, you know, the reincarnation, I mean, that's, that's definitely, you know, there's, you know, blood memory and things like that. There are indigenous tribes all over the world that, that do still talk about that. You know, we as as Europeans, we've been gone through such a such a process to to sort of purge all this all this from us and all this kind of, you know, traditional, you know, ways of thinking and being and doing. And it's 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 been a process that's happened over over centuries now and, you know, even even with America, that was also another sta- stage in, in that kind of us becoming very, very rootless, you know, but, you know, I think, you know, we need to be, you know, as as physical and spiritual beings, we need to be like trees. Yes, we have our, our branches extended towards towards heaven and, and the divine and cosmic and all that. But we also need to be rooted in the earth, uh, rooted in, in, in what we are and where we come from. And I think that's 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 important. And it's something that's just being, you know, completely under attacked by a system that just wants to erase all distinctions and all boundaries. You know, I mean, on the on the base surface level, you know, because, you know, erasing any sort of boundaries and, and sovereignty, you know, makes things easier for global commerce. Uh, but there's, you know, definitely a spiritual component to that, too. Um, in that you're just, you know, it's an attempt to, it's pave over nature. It's 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 an attempt to to replace nature with with an with with an artifice. And again, you know, this all goes back to the whole transhumanism things. I mean, it all kind of is interconnected. This this sort of 
impulse to 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 do what's what's being done um, is is very very deep, and you know, spiritually speaking, you know, through our blood, you know, we are we are connected to our ancestors, and they do live on through us. And I do believe in the spiritual component of the blood and, and how it is a medium, again, for for divine impulses to come through and to be manifest and made whole through us. Yeah, you also get into Jungian psychology. Now, I love Jung, too, uh, a lot. And basically, like, looking into the shadow and the collective unconscious, and it feels like we're really in that period right now as a people, specifically Europeans, where we're, we're experiencing, we're really taking a hard look at the, the shadow self, right? A lot of the weaknesses and the dark spots, and we're dealing with that. So really, it's a spiritual, alchemical kind of great work that we're going through this uh, transformation process, right? Not like the Barbara Spector one, but the, the true and <laughs> deep, like, spiritual thing. So what do you think that we are fighting for? fighting for like uh, physically i know this is huge uh, physically spiritually like <laughs> uh, our mission is is it perfection are we trying to find our way somewhere else like <laughs> what do you think is going on here i know we could speculate all day long on that but yeah i mean we can definitely speculate i mean i know you know there is this idea of i mean it's it's talked about in, in the bible and in you know in other ways in other places um you know, it's new heaven and new earth, this idea that we are, you know, ultimately seeking to ascend and transmute ourselves. Uh, and, and at the same time, while the earth is being transmuted into a, a higher form of ourselves and itself, because <clears throat> us and the earth, we're, 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 we're together. This is this idea that there's going to be some, some post human earth. I, I don't buy into that for a second. I think yeah, I think it's it's like where we are part of it. We are, you know, we can't be separated from it. Um, and so I think that we are ultimately looking to uh, embody these these higher spiritual forces within ourselves. Um, and you know, this kind of gets into the uh, the kind of Solar King, uh, Christ or Logos figure. You know, the Logos itself being the the ordering principle of nature and and the force of the of the sun. Uh, physically and spiritually and the spiritual aspects of the sun um and you know this kind of solar king figure acting you know ultimately as a mediator a transformer and it sort of steps down these these higher cosmic energies so it can be used by us and help to evolve us while at the same time you know these mediators will help step it down so because you know these higher cosmic forces uh without being mediated can also potentially destroy us physically and, and psychologically. That's you know also a danger in any kind of occult practice or anything like that. If you know if you're not ready, if you have not done the internal work, um, you start monkeying around with stuff, you know, you can it can have uh, issues, it can have uh, consequences on your on your mental and emotional health. Um, I know in my communion ritual that I do, um, I seek myself to kind of in turn act as a mediator and trans transformer for the the kind of christ and solar power in myself and as well as you know kind of a prayer that you know bringing my ancestors and and you know really for for the entirety of humanity i mean first you know when i pray first and foremost it's it's for those that i love those that are closest to me 
um, you know, my tribe, so to speak, and, you know, those around me that, that have been brought into my life. I believe everybody that's, that's in my life is there for a specific reason and that I have, you know, some kind of ties and obligation there. Um, I pray for my people, my folk. Um, you know, those from the European and, you know, I call the, the, the children of, of Freya. And I then will pray for, you know, the folks of, of other races and, you know, the other beings and animals and, and the earth. But, you know, it's I think it's definitely important, you know, when we're doing prayer or any kind of service, you know, to have, you know, we need to keep our priorities in order and, you know, those, you know, those of us who are, who are closest to us in our lives, you know, they need to be what we're thinking of first and, and, you know, kind of go on from there. But, you know, the idea that the sun sacrifices itself uh, literally and mythologically, you know, kind of going back to the whole Jungian aspect of, of these archetypes and the, the solar king archetype and the king archetype in general, um, it's, it's ancient and it's, you know, this idea that, you know, the king in ancient times was thought to embody, um, thought to be, be a god, or specifically a lot of time was, was embodying the, the, the solar forces or, or solar spirits and would seek, again, it's like this idea of the, the Indo-Aryan uh, spirituality and, and humanitarianism that chapter there is talking about, you know, seeking to bring the divine down into the earth uh, speaking, seeking to bring it into society, um, but always having that connection to the divine. You know, never not this idea that we're looking to do now is for kind of this this secular uh, humanism utopia where we're just going to use our own you know idea of economics, politics, statecraft, and science. You know, which is really you know applied science, technology um, to make the world a better place as opposed to again looking to connect and bring ourselves into alignment with these higher spiritual forces i love that the return of the solar king we we definitely need the return of the solar king and i think that we are making that happen now right we're all calling upon the return of the solar king so i wanted to ask you where can people buy the book i know arctos right Arctos, uh, definitely, uh, com is definitely the, the best place to go. Um, I know you can get it on Amazon as well. Uh, you know, I, th I think it's, I think it's available in all the formats there. Last I checked, uh, the digital <laughs> format, uh, hardcover and, and the soft cover. And I think Barnes and Nobles, uh, too, as well. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely. If, if you're going to get it, uh, go to, go to Arctos and, I would say, even though it's more expensive, uh, buy the hard copy. Um, that was one of the main reasons I wanted to do this is because I've always wanted to have something in, in a physical book. I love physical books. I mean, yeah, I do a blog, but but really, you know, blogs and, and, and things on the Internet, they can be memory hold pretty quick. But a, but a physical book you have in your hands, you can give to, to other people, or you can hand it down. Um, you know, it's, that's, I think that's the best. And when the power it. goes out, you can still read it. You know what I mean? <laughs> if the power grids go down, right? Well, thank you so much. It's yeah. been uh, great getting to know you and I haven't seen you on the scene before. So it's uh, great getting to know you. There's so many excellent people out there doing good work and, and uh, it's always good to connect to some new faces. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. Pleasure has been all mine. I've been a, a 
big fan of Red Ice for a long time, so it's it's, cool. it's been an honor. Thank you. That's great. And to everyone watching, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Just because we're not on YouTube and Facebook doesn't mean we're hard to find on the fringes of the internet. All you have to do is type in redice.tv and you'll find everything you need right there. We can't do this without you guys and gals. So we appreciate all your support. We're a tight community and we're only getting stronger. So I'll see you on the next one. Do you love Red Ice? Want more? Get access to exclusive material by signing up for a Red Ice membership. You'll be able to watch Weekend Warrior, our flagship show, the second hour of interviews, and other special feature videos only for subscribers. Were you a member and we lost you along the way? Renew! We love and appreciate you guys and gals and cannot do this without you. Help us be a sane voice, a lighthouse in the sea of insanity. As times get tougher, as people are searching for answers, they're going to need content like red ice. A little of all your support can go a long way. Thank you.